Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. loss in recent UCF history. Call like it is, folks. That was terrible. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Charge On. As always, I am your host, Sean Green. Before we get started, as always, a quick word from our sponsors, Bet Online. Football is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up to the minute stats, news, and scores, with also matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's real time updates on stats, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, Bet Online gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. I'm tired. I'm exhausted, mentally and physically drained, and I didn't even play a snap of football. I sat in a damn seat uh, in the bounce house for four hours, and I feel like I just got hit by a semi-truck 50 times over. Before I go into my I-don't-know-how-long rant, Mr. Rob Husby, Mr. Nick Geddes, uh, me and Nick went to the game together. Uh, Nick always calm, cool, and collected when he is watching a football game. Uh, so you're going to get good analysis from Nick tonight because, uh, I mean, again, always a, a pleasure to go to the games with him. Rob was sitting somewhere else, um, so we'll ask Rob first. Um, don't go on your spiel yet. We all have a spiel. We all have a rant. It's going to happen. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to ask you how you're doing. Uh, how, was, how was your? How was after the game for you? How was your evening post post embarrassment? Uh, it was a long drive home. Some traffic on the way home. Got some subway and uh, had time to collect my thoughts. And it kept getting worse and worse and worse. I wish I would have been like half this fan base and left at halftime because, my God, what a what a thing to power through. What a t- literally a tale of two halves. And again, I'm not going off on a rant, but good Lord, that was that was some tough football to watch. I've seen some bad losses. You know, I've had it pretty privileged since I started watching this team where I haven't, you know, didn't have to experience the 0-12 season. But my God, between this and like the Louisville loss at home last year, Woof. Might be the worst loss I think I've ever seen live. Good God. There is a lot of problems. Nick, obviously you drove from Tampa. So, I mean, asking you your post game, how that was, it was it was probably not much better than the actual game because you had to deal with traffic and, and getting home. And what a soldier Nick Geddes is. He came to Orlando, drove all the way back home to Tampa, and is hopping on a pod to give you his genuine great thoughts on how awful of a game this was. Nick, how was your post-night, post-game night? Um, obviously, I know it was awful since the drive, but kind of give your your little tidbits here. Well, first of all, I just couldn't miss this pod. 
there was just no way I could miss it. I don't care if it's midnight, 1230, 1 o'clock in the morning. Had to be on for this because I have tons, tons of thoughts, as we all do on this debacle. Um, as you mentioned, I had to make the trek back home to Tampa, down through Alafaya, then to 417, then through I-4, through Disney traffic. Finally got home after two and a half hours. It was a long, long drive. I spent half of that time with no radio, no podcast, no nothing. Just me and my thoughts. Just trying to comprehend everything that took place on that football field. And I still don't know if I fully comprehend, but we're going to do our best tonight. We're going to do our best. But that was my uh, my post-game experience there for you. You gave me the best advice I think anybody could have given me. Nick, before he took off on his drive back to Tampa, said, Sean, stay off social media. Don't, don't go looking up any UCF. Don't go reading anything. Don't go... And I took Nick's advice. Me and my girlfriend watched Love is Blind. New episodes. Oh, nice. Best thing I could have done for my life. Best thing I could have done for my life uh, for all the women that watch our show, which is, I think, zero. Um, And we got a couple. But according to YouTube stats, it's 0% for some reason. Uh, JP, he sucks. If you guys watch Love is Blind, you'll get that reference. We're going to leave it at that. Okay, let's get into the actual game. I'm going to give all of us equal time to rant. Unfortunately, guys, it's not going to be the concise breakdowns you usually get on the Charge On podcast because, unfortunately, this game is one of the worst games I've ever seen in any sport, in any event, uh, because, again, it it plays with somebody's emotions too much, uh, too much. Let me go into my first take. Nick has heard me probably say this 50,000 times since the game has ended. UCF fans are so hypocritical when it comes to losses like these. UCF student section, awful. Completely, utterly awful. If you don't want to go to a football game, don't go. If you're going to leave at halftime, just don't show up. It's completely awful. For the people, and you know who you are, for the people that are on Twitter saying the fans leaving at halftime aren't the reason the team lost, you are right. But it is a factor. I don't care what you say. The atmosphere in the bounce house is an electric atmosphere. When that thing is packed out and fans are rocking. Guess what? Teams go down 28 to 7. Teams go down 35 to 7 because it is a hostile environment. It is a road game. When everybody leaves at halftime and you don't have a student section on one full half of the sta- the stadium, sorry, but if I'm an opposing team that's getting their butt whooped 35 to 7, I'm like, "Hey, it's not that bad. Everybody's leaving anyway. Might as well go out and try to do some crazy stuff." We're already going to lose, according to all of their fans. So, if you are a student at UCF right now, and you are a so-called fan, if you are going to go up for one half of football, don't bother of showing up. Don't bother showing up. When a Baylor fan behind me says, oh, I could really see how this place could get rocking if people stayed. That's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. You want Power 5 football? Stay for the damn game. That... The game is one thing. That frustrates the hell out of me. If you're going to go to the football game, go watch football and go support the team. Don't leave at halftime to go to house parties. I don't care how old you are. I don't care whatever. You go to a football game, go to the football game. If you want to unsubscribe, you're a student and you're mad at me saying that, fine. I don't care. I could care less. 
All right. Now to the game. Horrible, utterly terrible. One of the worst things I've ever seen in a half of college or professional football. Completely awful and completely mismanaged. At the end of the day, UCF played not to lose. And guess what they say? When you play not to lose, most likely you're going to lose. Because what did Baylor have to lose? They were down 35-7 to with seven minutes left in the third quarter. You let them have 26 points in the fourth. Timmy McLean didn't want any of the smoke ever since it kind of looked like the tides were shifting. And this is not all on Timmy. For all of you that want to bash Timmy McLean and say it's all on Timmy, he looked bad in the second half. Don't get it twisted. At the end of the day, Darren Henshaw calling run, 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 up the gut, up the gut, up the gut, nothing. That was the problem. Gus, not saying, hey, maybe we need to not like try to lose this game. Maybe we should just go out and win it. That. R.J. Harvey fumbling the ball for the touchdown. That lost the game. Poor mismanagement of the clock in the second half. That lost you the game. This ain't going to be a long pod, guys. I have about had it. That was the worst loss in recent UCF history. That's what the this show is titled. I don't care. And guess what? I have been a fan. I've been a fan longer than these two. Right? I have been here since 2012. Going on 2013, I have been a fan for over a decade. I have seen every single snap. This was worse than a 60-point loss. This is worse. We're going to get into it more, but I want to give them time to get out some of their thoughts I'm sick to my stomach. I don't care. I did not watch the Gus press conference. I didn't watch anything. There's nothing you could tell me. There's nothing you could tell fans. There's nothing you can tell commentators, analysts that will make any of this look excusable. It was a poor job by everybody. Players, coaches alike. Fans. Everybody. Everybody did a poor job. And this will always be remembered. It's the Baylor's largest comeback in school history. First big game in the Big 12 in the bounce house. Commissioner Yormark was there. And you fumbled the bag. You had a 99.9% chance to win the game. And guess what? You lost. Nick, I'm going to give you the floor. Say whatever you want. And then I'll go to Rob after that. I mean, let's state the obvious. This was as embarrassing as it gets. Uh, indefensible and inexcusable. Any buzzword you want to use to describe it, it was that. And... You know, the way this day shaped up, all the hype going in, first Big 12 home game, Brett Yormack in the stadium, the biggest recruiting day in the history of the school. And, you know, we're rocking, we're rolling, 21 nothing. We looked at the clock, there were six minutes left in the first quarter, and UCF was up 21 to nothing before you knew it. And we were thinking, route, 35 to 7, route. We're going to put a statement out there to the rest of the Big 12 today, albeit against a, I think, a bad Baylor team because if Baylor's a bad football team, then the team that was wearing black and gold today, what are they? I don't know. Um, that whole fourth quarter I watched in the stands, as you know, Sean, and I was speechless. Arms crossed at what I was seeing. What could go wrong did go wrong. I saw a team that, like you said, was playing to not lose that game. And as you said, when you do that, you lose. And I didn't understand the reason. Gus Malzahn is not new to big-time football. This is the guy who played at the who coached in the SEC at one of the premier programs in college football and play and coached in a national championship. 
So why in the hell are you playing conservative and playing not to lose in your first Big 12 home game? I don't care who the opponent is. This is a conference game. You've already dropped one game in the conference. What are you letting off the gas pedal for? That's not the UCF team that I used to know. It's not the UCF team I used to know. You could get away with this in the American, as I've been saying. You want to you go get up by four scores in the, midway through the third quarter, and then you want to coast your way through? Okay, cool. That works versus Tulsa or whoever. It doesn't work against Big 12 teams, no matter if you're at the bottom of the conference, the middle of the conference, and sure as hell, not at the top of the conference. So that made no sense to me whatsoever. To your point about the fans leaving the game, I saw what Marlon Williams put on Twitter. And listen, I think that pretty much sums it up. He said this would happen 95% of the time that he was here, that they would leave those games at half. And he talked about how it would kill the energy in the stadium. That's a real thing. But but Nick, I guess it's not, according to people on Twitter, some reputable people on Twitter, it's not a problem. That's not well, the reason. That's, that not gonna, that's not I'm a not factor. Gonna, I'm not going to come here and say it's the reason why they lost. You got coaches, got a coach, players got to play at the end of the day. But was it a factor? Was it a factor? Absolutely. Some of the crowd shots, again, it's downright embarrassing. It's just embarrassing. It's not a great look. End of story. Your fan base looked weak today. And guess who else looked weak? Your football team. That's what I learned today. UCF is a mentally weak football team. They played their worst football in the fourth quarter. Not a good team. This team is bang average. Bang average. Average And for people that are overreacting, I'm not one of those guys that's going to go and overact over the edge today and be like, get Gus out, get Gus out, fire him. I'm not going to do that today. But I will point out that we are in the middle of a very, very dark trend right now when it comes to his tenure. And let me just point it out to you. In the last 10 games, ugly loss to Navy, the collapse at USF, which could have been a loss, Tulane dominant in the championship game, Duke dominant in the bowl game, and now what happened with Baylor. That's an awful stretch of football that this team has played going back to last season that is carried over to this season. And this is why, folks, I said the ceiling coming into this season I thought was 6-6, six and six, and I would be just fine with that. First year in the Big 12. And I think we're starting to see that now. If they were really that team that you were talking about, eight and four, nine and three, you put Baylor away with ease and you move on to the next one. You sit here today, four and one. This team is not that. They are bang average. And by the way, for the first year of the Big 12, that's fine. But the way they lost this game today is what hurts the most. It is, no doubt about it. In my time of watching UCF football, and I haven't been watching it as long as you or some other fans, obviously, it is easily by far the worst loss in the history of UCF. Just disappointing on on all levels. The fa- and, and Timmy McLean, by the way, I'll address that. I will say I thought Timmy first – what? First 30 minutes, I guess, the first half of that game, he played a really good football game. Didn't really have to possess the ball much. I guess that played a part with it, right? He, he, the offense was out there for seven what? passes, seven passes in the first half. But he was doing what he needed to do. He had the touchdown pass to Townsend, where he rolled out to his left there, and the red zone was right in front of us. We had a great view of it. But after that, it's like he just froze. 
he just completely froze. I'm not saying the play calling was great, but when they had the ball, I mean, this, the last drive of the game, and well, actually the pick, the pick that happened right in front of us in the red zone, guys open. I can't remember who it was. It might have been Kobe Hudson. Pittman. Pittman. Pittman, right. Yeah. And the, the throw's there, and he just completely underthrows it, picked off. That was a momentum shifter. Um, and then that last drive, I mean, he, he does the crazy razzle-dazzle play that's going to be on Center and all that, and R.J. Harvey coming down with it. But everything else he did on that drive just looked like a quarterback who was a deer in the headlights and just caved under pressure. I mean, can't hit screen passes. I think the drive prior, he had Townsend over the middle of the field. That would have helped. That would have changed the game, too. And remember, Gus was chewing him out on the sideline. We saw that. Not sure if the TV copy saw it, but Gus was ripping in to t- for Timmy McClain. Um, I guess that's the other layer to this whole thing is – you are not playing. You aren't playing with your starting quarterback. Who knows in a different universe how it turns out? But listen, thirty-five to seven. I don't care who's playing quarterback. You close that game out. UCF didn't do it today. Uh, they're a mentally weak football team, and I'm looking at everybody. I'm looking at the players. I'm looking at the coaches, uh, the fan base in a different parallel because they didn't show up today. At least the students didn't show up today. Um, yeah, it's just an ugly day for UCF football. End of story. Yeah, before I let you go, Rob, yeah, Nina, uh, my girlfriend, she she asked me actually a solid, a really good question. She said, if John Rice Plumley was healthy and played, because he was in uniform, he got cleared on Friday. That's the only thing I saw on Twitter, Nick. I did not go and look at any more, but we saw when we were driving home, you know, he was cleared on Friday. Now, granted, he shouldn't have been playing today. That's all I'm saying, but she said, you know, if he would have played and he was 100%, does UCF close out that game? And though, again, like you said, 35-7, to 7, doesn't matter who the quarterback is. You should win that game nine times out of ten. The only reason I think, I guess, in my head, I, I try and say it would have been different is because Timmy, like I said, Timmy is shifty. He's not a running quarterback. I've learned that over the last two games. He is shifty. He can make things happen with his feet, but he cannot. He is not a running quarterback. I think when UCF was just like, we just want to run the ball up the gut on first, second, down, and then we get a third and five. Oh, what are we going to do? I think those are the moments where John Rice Plumley wins you the game. You get a first down. You keep the drive moving. I think that hurt UCF tonight where on a third down, it's a, oh, crap. We have to actually throw the ball and we have to, you know, complete a five-yard pass so why are you but why are you putting that's why i come back to the coaching staff though why are you putting your quarterback in those situations where every third down he has to get considered i mean you can argue well he he should make those plays but why are you putting him in those situations to begin with because they clearly and again i get it they clearly want to be a running team they want to be a running football type of team it's not it's not there no it it clearly isn't if they didn't learn that but guess what nick and this is the problem and this is why like i have i didn't want to be right on this but i we have been spot on if you have looked at our running yards compared to how the running actually is like i feel like gus and them actually think we are a good running the foot the football type of team our offensive line does not create holes up the gut rj harvey has been not good this year I wonder why, because the offensive line does not create any holes up the gut. RJ Harvey tonight, I get it, it's, it pales in comparison to the game. He had 21 attempts for 95 yards. I get it, it was almost 100 yards rushing. 
21 attempts for 95 yards. I think, Nick, before the game, I said I think he has about 95. I was almost spot on. I said yeah, and, I think probably and, between. And, right. It, I know. Yeah, we were, we were talking about over yeah. and unders, and 95 was the magic number, right? Um, and he has to fight for those yards like crazy. Like I would say he fought really, really hard to get to those 95 it's yards. It's ridiculous. Whereas you, you, made, you made a good point after the game. You know, Johnny's having a really good year. And, you know, when he comes in, where's he going? He's going to the perimeter. And that's where UCF had success. First play of the game. First play of the game. Johnny, outside run, gone. Yep. I mean, that's that's their bread and butter in the running game. But anything through the tackles, or yeah, there's just nothing there. There's nothing no. there, and you're having to fight extra. You're having to fight all day RJ, Har- RJ Harvey is to get yardage. And that's just not a, that's just not a way to win football games. Rob, I'm gonna let you go because again, I we tried to make this 30 minutes, and then we we go into we every, stuff comes up every time because we're passionate, but we are also realists, and some people don't like that. But give your your thoughts, whatever you want to say, good sir. Um, and then after we will kind of give our final takes and final headaches, uh, if you will. But go ahead, the floor is yours, good sir. Yeah, I mean, where do you start with this one? Uh, you know, I said earlier, a tale of two halves. I mean, for God's sakes, that's really what it was. You think at halftime, and I, again, it seems like half the fan base thought, oh, halftime, we're good. 35 to 7, we're... Not the fan base, the student section, but keep going. Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt yeah, you. mainly the students. No, not wrong. Mainly the student section. But it got pretty empty there in one, one half of the stadium. And to feel that confident, to really have that sort of Alabama arrogance and that... And I don't want to say arrogance because Alabama has kind of earned that right. For the arrogance that this fan base has to just kind of say halfway through, oh, game over. Doesn't matter if it's in the Big 12. We're not in the American anymore. Game over. And then just to see that come back, I mean, what a kick in the nuts. I mean, just absolutely horrendous football. Horrendous play calling in the second half. Again, where do you start? I mean, you want to start with the defensive line and the linebackers on this team? Awful. Uh, you know, where we were having real a real hard time cutting up the middle, you saw how easy it was for the running backs for Baylor to run it up the middle and get six, seven yards and shred that defensive line. Linebackers, how many times did we see tonight, even on the defensive backs too, how many times did we see tonight first tackle broken, second tackle broken, and now you have a two or three yard play turn into a six or seven yard play? Maybe even more. I mean, saw, saw that so many times tonight, even towards the end of the game on Baylor's last offensive drive of the game, uh, two broken tackles and then a break for 15, 15 or 20 yards. Like, it's ridiculous. And this has been a problem dating back to last year. We talked about this ad nauseum last year. We've talked about it a little bit this year, too. The tackling on this team is terrible. So many of those tackles get broken and it ends up costing UCF in the end. Because you can't get any defensive momentum when you're get continuously getting your tackles broken like that and giving up big yardage plays. It's a joke. So defense was awful in the second half. Uh, but that doesn't say that that gives any uh, sort of relief to the offense because the offense absolutely did not do any favors for the defense either. I mean, the offense going three and out so many times in the second half, just continuously putting the defense on the field is just again it's unforgivable you can't keep going three and out three and out no play turnover you can't keep putting the defense on the field and then when they're already struggling and they're already tired this team just doesn't have the depth enough to to keep up with it so 
yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a circular effect. Offense played like crap in the second half. Defense played like crap because defense was already on, always on the field. And we just didn't – again, in the first half, we had a lot of possession time. Second half, not so much. So, I mean, I, I don't know where you start. Again, I, I think all around the whole team just did not look good. The play calling was bad. The coaching was bad. Um the offense was bad. Timmy, again, Timmy did not have a good game. Um, and this has been my biggest criticism of him. He's got a great arm. He's got flashes where he looks great. But at the same time, he, just the IQ there sometimes, some of the reads he makes, he gets under pressure. Man, Nick said it best, deer in the headlights. I mean, sometimes when he's rushed in the pocket, he looks around. And instead of running out of bounds or instead of uh, throwing it away, he'll throw it up the middle and he'll almost get an interception. There was a couple times towards the end of the game too uh where i think it was on the final drive actually right before he threw it to rj almost picked off and he was very lucky that pass didn't get picked off um so i mean that's just again do does jrp do that maybe maybe not um certainly the first two games if if we want to consider that a good sample size i don't think it is i don't know if jrp makes that those those same decisions that he does but I don't know if John Rice is enough to save this team right now. I, I don't. I think there's a lot of other problems on this team, and it doesn't just go through the quarterback. There's a lot of problems on this team. Um, it's 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 not looking good. And now you have a team that you know, okay, three and zero, you know, against weaker opponents, kind of eked it out against uh, Boise State. You go into Kansas State, you get rocked in the fourth quarter. You're like, all right, well. Maybe we've uh, kept up a little bit, and then you go into Baylor, blowing them out in the first half, and then completely crap the way through the whole way through in the second half. And I don't know, that's concerning. Uh, three and two now, zero oh and two in the Big Twelve to start Big Twelve play. You ruin your home opener. Not good. Not good in front of, in front of the Fiesta Bowl team. In front that's of Blake the biggest Bortles. Disappointment. That's oh the yeah, biggest in front of Blake. In front of Blake Bortles, Shaquem Griffin, George O'Leary, forty of your of your recruits that you're trying to get, Ugh, biggest non official recruiting yep. day in your school's history. Yep. Horrible, horrible. And I saw I, the last thing I'll say is this is the biggest concern for me. Well, obviously you got Kansas and and Oklahoma on the road next. Uh, not looking good there, but also, good lord. Uh, I saw I saw a tweet. It was from UCF Problems on Twitter. So, uh, besides the garbage touchdown within the, within the last twenty seconds against Kansas State last game, <laughs> we have been outscored in the fourth quarter forty to zero, forty to zero. So technically forty to seven, if you want to ca- count that garbage time touchdown. If that doesn't say it all, man, it is. We are in some for some rough waters against Kansas and Oklahoma because I do not feel confident at all. You better hope Jalen Daniels doesn't play next week, Knights fans. Oof. Yeah, no kidding. He didn't play this week. You better I, hope I, he doesn't play next I'll, week. I'll just I'll just say right now. I'm not waiting. I'm not even gonna wait till prediction time until we get to Kansas. I'm not picking this team to win for at least the next few weeks. Maybe they'll shock me, but I'm not I'm not falling for it. Because I, I went overboard this week. I said what, forty to twenty one, Sean? I had yep. UCF winning this game, right? Wasn't picking scared this week and everything. I had full confidence, and then you go out there and do that. So, I got our point total right. Like I said, thirty-five. <laughs> I didn't think it was going to be thirty-six to thirty-five. <laughs> yeah, little did you know. Um. So I'm in semi semi closing. We'll we'll give our final you know annoyances because there was a many in this game. Um. I also don't want to just 
like I was reading through a couple more tweets. I'm not blaming this on the fan, on the students leaving at halftime. I want to make that very clear. I am saying it is a factor. And on top of that, if you are labeling yourself as this power five juggernaut of a program that's a sleeping giant and on the up and up, your fans don't leave at halftime. That is what I'm saying. And for the oh, the eight, oh, they're don't blame it on 18 to 22 year olds argument. I was one of the 18 to 22 year olds that would stay. But I'm also saying it's much different leaving versus a Villanova than a Baylor. Very Two very different circumstances. You didn't see the student section clear out versus Cincy last year. That's the only argument I'm going to end there. But listen, this team is not bad. For all of, and yeah, Nick, you brought it up, the, the firing Gus. And I think that is the easiest, like, that is the one thing in college football that always irks me or any any sport, automatically after a bad loss, or automatically after a couple bad losses, oh, we have fired this coach. At the end of the day, Gus Malzahn has brought you the top two recruiting classes in this school's history right. in the last and, two years. And you have to let that, you have to see that out. I, I've been saying yeah. it. Like, the, you're, this is nowhere near going to be the best UCF team in this new era right now under Gus Malzahn. It's just not. It's impossible for it to be that way. Given the talent, but I'll say this: for all of you that won't agree with this, this year's team is still better than last year's team. You just can't see it because we were playing in the American last year. The American team last year, we would have lost to Boise in week two. You would right now be two and three, and that's not an exaggeration. So, like, and you should have won the Baylor game. I, like, no fans are butts. Like, none of us is sitting here right now. And no, you can ask Baylor fans. You cannot go up to one Baylor fan tonight and say, are you a better team than UCF? None of them will say, yeah. They're going to say, we, yeah, well, like, you know what? we pulled it out. But you know what? I know they're a better team. They're they're mentally stronger than UCF. I can tell you that. I can yeah. tell you that. It's not. It, it, there's a lot that goes into winning and losing football games. Oh, yeah. Right? And, and that's the thing. You go down 35-7 on the road, you know, you're in Orlando. You probably just want to go home at that point. Nobody packed it in. We packed it in. I got a head coach over there, Dave Aranda, who might who he could be coaching for his job right now. And it sure as hell looked like it, and it looked like a team those that players was, were playing like it. Exactly, it looked like a team that wasn't quitting on Dave Aranda. That's for sure. Okay, I mean that's that's the trouble. That's the thing. I, I give credit to. I know we're not going to go into full detail about Baylor, but I, I will give them some flowers. Give give oh, hell, give all the credit to Baylor. I mean, 26 points in the fourth quarter, 26 points. Exactly. I mean, that 26 points is 26 points, right? And they they chipped away, chipped away, chipped away. And then the second that it became a game, I think when it got to 36, 35 to 18, I think it was, when it got that close and it became a game again, UCF just had no answer. They had no answer for anything Baylor was doing. So give Baylor credit. Couple stats before we go. Um, again, these are worthless. I think the big one, and I think I, it's I sound like a broken record every damn week. Uh, seven penalties for sixty-four yards. Uh, that's your ball game on top of the fumble return for a touchdown. At the end of the day, that's your game. I don't care what you say. Um, I'm not. You know, the defense did play awful in that second half, but ultimately, I think Nick the offense had the ball for what six minutes in the first half. Right, and I, I went back and was checked on the, the field for. Yeah, I if I could check the number. The defense was out there for 11 minutes of game time longer uh, 
Yeah, thirty-five to twenty-four. Yeah, thirty-five to twenty-four. So, listen, I'm not gonna. I'm not. Lord knows the defense had played a major part in this game. Their inability to to get off the field in the fourth quarter, clearly. Um, But your offense has got to sustain drives. They got to sustain drives, and they didn't. They just didn't do it. Blocked field goal. I mean, specialty. It just all phases. All phases, man. Just just sucked in that second half. All phases. I will say, I know it doesn't matter that offensive pass interference call on Kobe Hudson was absolute BS. I was going to mention BS. that too. That would have been that would have been not blaming points it. right there. I'm you didn't have not blaming it, but that was absolute BS. Because then you blocked the field goal at the end of the half absolute BS was a terrible call. But then again, I guess Baylor fans at home was saying that our scoop and score, he was down. So I guess it's an even washout, I guess, because I guess if, you know, it is what it is. It's going to be a long next three weeks. To be completely honest, the next three weeks are going to be rough. Uh, I If you don't, you next week is a must win. We'll talk about it on Thursday's episode of Charge On. I hope you'll you'll come back. Um, knowing our fan base sometimes, uh, we'll probably lose a lot of viewership over the next month. That's fine. Uh, but hopefully you get um, all you need to know about Kansas. But ultimately, I agree with Nick. Um, you have to start looking at this as the next two weeks' losses. So you'll be four straight losses. And you'll be three and four heading into West Virginia. Now, I'm not going to agree with Nick. I do think once you hit that back slate, of your season, you have very winnable games. You are better than basically every team. I get I get the mentally, we are not a mentally sound football team. Physically and roster-wise, you have a better team than most of the schools you're playing in that back half of the season. I'm not saying you can't go beat Kansas because Kansas defense is probably just as bad as our defense, if we're being completely honest. Jalen Daniels plays, and again, we're not giving predictions, but I guess, I mean, we can all agree that most likely Jalen Daniels plays. He is going to do whatever he wants against our defense, and we'll probably lose. Uh, but I think once you play the West Virginias, who I actually think West Virginia is really good. I, I They played really well this year, um, but winnable game at home. <laughs> Scared to go back to that place right now. West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Cincinnati, Texas Tech, Houston. Again, Eight and four is doable. You, if you go on a string of wins, six and six is again. We said this before the season. We'll say it again for all of you who said that when we said that that we weren't reaching for the stars, that we were really limiting this team. We all look stupid because again, we start early on and we get hype for a season and we see the season. We're like, oh, we're, we could be X Y Z. At the end of the day, it's not a mentally sound football team, and hopefully, the coaches can figure it out. Because at this point, you need next week is a must-win game. If it if you don't win next week, you're going three and four. I don't think you beat Oklahoma with that defense. And hopefully, Addison Williams can figure out something up with this defense. Because right now, I'm telling you, it's rough. It's rough. And offensively, Darren Henshaw needs to figure out how to not lose games and play from behind. You know, when you're ahead, play like you're ahead. Oh, and also, final thing, Timmy McLean. Unfortunately, I you listen. We love all of our. Get you're getting a transfer quarterback next year, Night Nation. Some quarterback that is not on the roster today is going to be your starter next year. I don't care what you say. He has proven. He, I mean, the last two weeks it's been 14 of 24. Now 13 of 25. 
for around 250, a couple touchdowns, and a pick. That is his. That is what you're getting out of Timmy McLean. He proved that tonight. Nothing wrong with that, but if you're looking to win a Big 12 title, you clearly need a top five quarterback in the league. Hopefully, John Rice can come back and kind of save the season and kind of give teams that extra element. Because as of right now, we just don't have that extra element. What teams know how to play world. us. What a crazy world we're living in. We're talking about hopefully John Rice Plumley can come and save the day. I mean, he's played better. But again, we also we only saw two, one game against South or I, I can't even remember Kent State, and then Boise, and that was still not it was good on his part, but not great on the teams. But you're getting a transfer quarterback next year. Uh, hate to make it worse. I get it's overreaction Sunday, but you're getting a transfer next year. Uh, sorry to all the Timmy lovers. <laughs> I guess not. Nick is not one of them anymore. Um, all right, <sighs> rant episode. Over. Uh, Nick, you got any final thoughts before we move on to the Kansas Jayhawks and Jalen Daniels away, not at home, where the student section will stay for the entire game? I, I, yeah, I, I can't even focus. <laughs> I, I can't even focus on, on Kansas. I, I really can't. I don't care. I don't we care. Get till, well, it's Sunday. We can get till thir- We get till Wednesday to record. I, I so have we have a couple days. I gotta take a couple days off from this team. From this team, I gotta be clear. I gotta be honest. I gotta. I gotta take a couple days off. Some PTO days on UCF football after what happened today. And it's. It, it, you know, it honestly is. I. I don't get to make it to too many games anymore. And I feel like the last two that I've been to were this one and Louisville last year. And I think. I think I've just. I've. I've been through the ringer. The last few times I've been in that stadium, so I'm going to take a. You're going to be forced to go to West Virginia. We were not telling why that's the case yet. We'll give a special right. announcement gonna, when that gets I'm closer. Just, I'm just going to take a two a two day hiatus. I'm going to go back and I'm going to watch because I was at the game. I want to go. I'm actually going to watch the TV copy of this game. I'm going to. You're brave. I'm I'm going to to brave it out. I want to see what happened because you know in the stadium it's a little difficult to see everything that's going on. So I'm going to go back and watch it, and I'll hopefully have some more thoughts additionally on Wednesday as we set up Kansas, when I'll be back in the right head frame to talk about this team. But no, before I, I give it to Rob here to end, like I said, I, I just don't think it's a mentally strong team and not on the fire Gus bus train by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm just – he needs to be better. The, the, the players got to be better. The coaching staff needs to be better. Um End of story. Like you said, what's the title of this episode? Most embarrassing loss in UCF history? No, the worst loss in recent UCF history. Right. The the worst loss in recent UCF history. I think that pretty much sums it up. Yeah. Rob, final thoughts on, like we just said, uh, the worst loss in recent UCF history. Yeah, uh, let's just hope we split one and one on the road because that because going zero and two over the next two would really suck. Listen, I don't care what order they come in. I don't care if we beat Kansas by some miracle and then lose to Oklahoma with a loss coming into West Virginia at home. I do not care if you split one and one on the road. I feel a lot more confident about this season. But man, yeah, six and six is looking like uh, the ceiling right now, and I will I will take that smiling. I will look take at us. a bowl game. Look at I us counting wins. Game. No look at kidding. us trying to find take, the wins on his schedule. <laughs> uh, I will. T- I will take a bowl game at this point. I do not care. Well, well hold up. Good Before lord, we go. I can. 
Yeah, before we go, because because Sean brought this argument up, Rob, when we were talking, and I was like, six and six. I, I've been saying six and six is what they're probably going to end up being. And he brought up Cincinnati. He brought up Houston. He brought up Oklahoma State. And there was one other team in there, I think. And like, Texas yeah, Tech. Yeah, theoretically, yes, you should win those games. But do you have any faith they're going to walk out with those with four victories right there? Something here's my thing. Something is going to go wrong. They're not good enough. Yeah, but Nick, Texas, Tech, Texas Tech has the most likely of that. But my problem right now is like I get like trust me, we are fully we are allowed to overreact to what we just saw because I think what we just saw changed the course of our life forever. Took years. I mean, off, what maybe. we just saw. Like I understand now. Like thank God I'm not a Falcons fan because at least with this we'll only have to hear it from Baylor fans. Imagine the entire NFL for years until the end of time, until we all die, is going to say twenty eight to three to your face every time if you're a Falcons fan. This changed the course of my existence because I don't know if I can physically understand what happened tonight with this team. It can get fixed. It's. I, I mean, I'm, I, it's overreaction Sunday. We get off of here. I'm, I'm going to go put my head on a pillow, and I'm going to be fine. I promise you. I'm, I know, yeah. I'm saying this team is not bad. This team is a good football team. They are not mentally. They are not mentally there. I think once you get your leader and John Rice back, I think things can shift pretty quickly. I think getting a guy like that back under center in running your team, I think can change a lot of heads so I think give it these next two three weeks because we have a bye week you know who knows if John Rice plays against Kansas who knows what can happen I mean again you haven't seen him since Boise like you have to these teams have to game plan for him we're not getting into a full breakdown but I'm just saying the back half of the season with 100% John Rice plumly healthy is very very eight and four is still doable I don't care what anybody says right now it doesn't look like it so wow, but I'm not going to overreact and say six and six is going to be a tough a tough sled. Like this team is better than every team you're playing on the back half. You just have to be mentally there and and stop committing dumb penalties. That is the reason you're losing these games because you're giving up points to the opposition by just saying, "Oops, illegal formation. Oops, offensive pass interference. Oops." Gus was saying the the freaking illegal formation was a play he ran in high school. Like, oh my God. Okay, we're done. All right, guys. That's it. I'm done. We are moving on. We will not be talking about this loss anymore. Uh, we will move on to Kansas. Thank you for basking in our pain with us. We really appreciate it. Please drop your thoughts down below. Tell us what you thought on this game. I am really excited to read these comments. And hey, if there are some good ones, we might read them on the next show. Just because, again, this is going to take a couple days to really fester um but yeah like nick said we're gonna go on our pillow we're you know at the end of the day we appreciate the players for putting in the hard work and effort that they always do we just gotta see some wins out of it you know for their sake and for my mental and physical well-being and health all right guys this has been charge on presented by bet online we will see you on thursday Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E 
AV on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.